Barbados is classified as a water scarce country and therefore we are looking at different approaches to try to maximize on the infiltration of water into the ground where we take all of our drinking water from. What we require is to be in tandem with the clearing of the areas for planting and planting the hedgerows to maintain. Really the hedgerows should come before the tillage quite often. We have to do it at the same time. It's such a huge, huge issue that we really have to address it at multiple levels. I'm Connor Lennon and you're listening to The Liddies On from the United Nations. This is the second of four podcasts recorded in the Eastern Caribbean nation of Barbados, one of the so-called frontline states that are dealing with some of the harshest aspects of the climate crisis. These include rising sea levels and more frequent extreme weather events. On the last episode, we looked at the problem of sargassum, unsightly and smelly seaweed that's been blighting many of the island's beaches. Sargassum made its unwelcome arrival in 2011, but another form of pollution has been affecting the coastal waters of Barbados for far longer. This is pollution from the land, which, amongst other things, has seen pesticides flowing into the sea for decades. This is one of the reasons that the coral reefs just off the coast have been declining. Christopher Corbyn is the acting Secretariat Coordinator of the Cartagena Convention, which was set up by the UN Environment Programme in the 80s in response to concerns about marine pollution in the wider Caribbean region. He explained to me that the problem of land-based pollution has been growing as a serious problem over the years, and it's one that's being compounded by the climate crisis. We see the increasing focus on coastal development. We've seen the growth of tourism. We've seen the challenges facing our coastal and marine resource management. What we are now attempting to do is really take stock of what's happening in the region. Pollution continues to be a significant impactor from land-based sources and activities. Uh, there continues to be damage to our coastal and marine ecosystems. So we are starting to look at issues of adaptation. We are starting to look at issues of nature-based solutions that, while also being an adaptive measure for climate change, are also helping to protect the coastal and marine re resources. Barbados has been, I would say, one of the extremely strong supporters of the work of the Cartagena Convention. Uh, it's also, one would argue, one of the more of vulnerable islands in the region because of its, its, its geography. And a lot of the, the work we have done in Barbados is really to, to help them build resilience. We work very closely with the government of, of Barbados in reviewing regulations and helping them develop new policies, particularly as it related to pollution management. Uh, we provided support for training within the different ministries that were involved in environmental enforcement and environmental monitoring. And our more recent projects have focused primarily on supporting Barbados in working at the, at the local level, at the community level, in terms of how can we continue to support them in addressing marine biodiversity con conservation and marine pollution. Christopher Corbyn from the Cartagena Convention. 
To find out more about what's being done to slow the runoff of pollutants from the land into the sea, I visited the Barbados National Botanical Gardens, an initiative that began not long after the country gained independence from Britain. So, this is basically cuscus grass here. So as they clear, move out the larger plants, then they just fill in with the projects that we are doing. Ryan Else is the general manager of the Barbados National Conservation Commission, which is responsible for the parks, beaches and open spaces on the island. Pull out the clumps, you cut them up into these little small parts, a little bit of the root, and you stick them in. And then they just expand and you keep dividing over and over and over until you get millions. He took me on a tour of the gardens and showed me an initiative that's using hedgerows to reduce erosion and soil degradation and also cut the amount of pollution that ends up in the sea. The hedgerow project does add some value to the space and the corresponding channels that go downstream because mm. the water that runs through the botanical gardens eventually ends up in the Constitution River and out to sea. So having the, the hedgerow project and having good planting regimes ensures that you get less siltation in the, the Constitution River and if you have an opportunity you can go and see that it is now redeveloped and soon to, complete, to be completed a very beautiful space. How did the hedgerow project start? The Environmental Protection Department made contact with the National Conservation Commission and we have plant nurseries. We, our job is to grow plants and put them into landscapes. That's what we do all day, every day. And the challenge was put forward. We need to have some more cuscus grass, lemongrass, and other grasses that we use in the hedgerow to prevent the soil erosion or loss of topsoil. It is critical in the agricultural belt um, because we do have a lot of um, removal of vegetation as well as tilling of the soil which exposes it to erosion. So these hedgerows hold the soil in place and keeps it from entering the waterways, going out to sea, affecting the reefs. So while it might be happening inland, it is also part of the protection of the marine environment. How bad has the problem been in the past and how bad is it now in terms of pollution from the land polluting the sea? We have seen some improvement decrease in siltation and improvement in the water quality. But from a visual standpoint, we have seen that agriculture is expanding. A lot of areas are being cleared of uh, river tarmin and, and other brush, and this exposes the soil. And what we require is to be in tandem with the clearing of the areas for planting and planting the hedgerows to maintain. Really, the hedgerows should come before the tillage, uh, that is the ideal situation, but quite often we have to do it at the same time. Ryan Else, who runs the Barbados National Conservation Commission. Using hedgerows as a so-called nature-based solution to dealing with sea pollution that comes from the land is an idea that's being supported by the UN in Barbados. I met Anthony Headley, the head of the Environmental Protection Department at the Barbados Ministry of Environment and National Beautification. He's also in charge of a project on the island called IWECO, which is part funded by the UN Environment Programme and which aims to improve the management of coastal water resources. We were able to source through the UN some funds to assist in terms of the purchase of germplasm, which would be the, the feathergrass, the lemongrass, and the different varieties of plants that could be planted along the road verges 
or along the sides of the gully systems and the agricultural fields and that is the intent or at least one of the intents the other intent would be to protect the drainage wells to improve infiltration of storm water given that climate change is occurring and rainfall patterns appear to be changing and we've seen that there have been um, short periods where you're having intense rainfall so you're having a lot of rainfall and a lot of water running off and a lot of that is going into the sea Barbados is classified as a water scarce country and therefore we're looking at different approaches to try to maximize on the infiltration of water into the ground where we take I would say all of our drinking water from so what our project is going to do is we are assisting the NCC. The NCC is the National, National Conservation, Conservation Commission. And we're also assisting the Minister of Agriculture in the provision of the germplasm. The NCC has been given the mandate now to do maintenance along the road verges and to beautify. One of the, the primary policies of this government, hence the name of the ministry, Minister of Environment and National Beautification, is to improve the aesthetics of the overall country in terms of control of litter but also improve the beautification um, through planting of trees um, through improving spaces open spaces within parks so I know you've seen a lot of disused land and under the national beautification program our ministry is going around they're identifying spaces within communities and they're cleaning up those spaces and putting recreational spaces um, in for the communities and that is going to help given the fact that we are coming out of the COVID situation and there's been a lot of stress on the community so having well-designed well-managed open green spaces will do a lot for the mental health of our community but from an environmental protection department's perspective we got into this in terms of approaching the United Nations from the perspective of the historical impacts that we have seen on the marine environment and the need to improve water quality both in the near shore and on the offshore. And this is designed to try to demonstrate to the agricultural community and to the general landscaping population stakeholders in general that we can beautify the country and still protect the marine environment and by protecting the marine environment you're you're protecting in some instances the livelihoods of those persons who do subsistence fishing you know and if you drive around you'll see there are a lot more people who are actually fishing on evenings you can go to silver sands and you'll see the the pvc pipes that persons have placed in the ground that they use with their fishing rods or you can go to the shallow draft or places on um, the north of the island where the animal floor cave is on evenings and on bank holidays you see a lot of people fishing so it's important that we improve water quality so then we can demonstrate to the community that reinstatement of the historical hedgerows along the roadways if we can have some of those same hedgerows being planted along the gully systems and we want to preserve that so by planting the hedgerows and stopping any 
illegal litter from getting into the gullies it will help to maintain those types of ecosystems that we can then use through hiking hiking is very popular in barbados through hiking and then through tours for tourists etc anthony headley head of the barbados environment protection department the planting of these historic hedgerows in Barbados is a small but tangible example of how nature can be used positively to redress some of the damage that man-made development has had on the environment. Christopher Corbyn from the Cartagena Convention says that the climate crisis has added an extra layer of urgency to efforts to deal with pollution in the Caribbean region, underlining the need for governments, the private sector and all sectors of society to work closely and effectively together. When it comes down to issues such as sea level rise, we are seeing uh, the importance of integrated planning, integrated coastal zone management. The whole approach to ecosystem-based management is also uh, a recognition that we can't approach the management of our resources in this very isolated and sectoral way. So I would say that, that, that everything is now being done through a climate change lens. Uh, we are more conscious of the impacts and, and how it affects the work that we do as a secretariat. Uh, but as it, it, it's such a huge, huge issue that we really have to address it at multiple levels. In the next two episodes, we're going to find out more about the effect that the development of Barbados and the changing climate have had on the country's marine life. We'll meet two organisations that have received UN support for their efforts to protect the inhabitants of the island's coastal waters. Coral started out as a small organisation run by volunteers, hoping to prove that coral can be brought back to life. They have shown that this is indeed possible, and we'll head into the water with them to see how they're doing it. The corals actually protect the shoreline, the coral reefs. The types of corals, say like the staghorn, because they have uh, their small branching and the branches are all intertwined and they stop the action of the waves, the energy of the waves from, from coming in and destroying the, onto the land. And in the final episode from this island, we talk to the Barbados Sea Turtle Project, which has been able to grow the population of these creatures despite facing a daily struggle to protect them from the consequences of development on the southern beaches. She's going to come all the way up. You can see her sticking her head up and looking around, uh, trying to decide if this is a, a good thing to do. When they leave their foraging grounds and make that migratory track to Barbados to nest, they use up stored reserves. So all of the energy that they're using up when they come out of the sea, they can't get back. So if she does all of this and is unsuccessful in nesting, that's energy that's wasted. And it can have a real impact on the quality of her eggs and the number of eggs she's able to lay. You've been listening to The Lid Is On, the flagship podcast from UN News. Don't forget to subscribe and look out for the next episode from Barbados.